Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we'll just read uh, two verses here. Philippians chapter 2, we'll read verses 14 and 15, and part of 16. So, Philippians 2, 14, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. There can be no question about it that we are living in very dark days. If Paul 2,000 years ago thought that his generation was crooked and perverse, what would he think today in our generation? Christianity is being marginalized. The institution of the church is constantly under attack. There is hardly a week passes. You don't flip over a paper or turn on the news, but some Christian or some Christian agency or organization is being harried and is being marginalized and has been told you can't do that. It's against the law. And even when it's not against the law, they're still telling them preachers in Cumbria, a couple of street preachers were arrested, literally arrested and told they couldn't do that. Well, thankfully, yet there's no law against preaching on the street, and there's no law against giving out tracts yet, but it'll probably happen sooner rather than later. But that's the state that we're in. Gays openly and proudly parade our streets with banners waving. Children are being horribly abused and battered and starved to death, even we saw in the paper last week, by their parents. And some parents are being murdered even by their own children. Abortion is at an all-time high. And every weekend, there are hordes of young people especially that are spilling out onto the streets after a night binging on drink and ending up clogging up their A&Es all over the nation. And the government thought that 24 drink license would solve the problem instead. It has exacerbated it and it has made it a million times worse. Drug taking is just about out of control. And what kind of a sick mind would make a movie portraying an 11-year-old girl as a foul-mouthed assassin and try to make out of some kind of comic superhero movie? What kind of a sick man would think that up? What kind of a mother would allow her 11-year-old to act in such a perverse movie? And what kind of critics have we got in art and film critics that would allow that to pass? And not only that, but would laud it as absolutely brilliant. It just shows you how dark the nation is when people would flock to see that. I hope you haven't flocked to see it. Hope 
you haven't went to see that. The Bible is very, very explicit about two things. One, the world is in darkness. Two, you are the light of it. The world is in darkness, a crooked and perverse generation, but among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So the battle lines are drawn. I'm looking at all these young people sitting in these first two or three rows. Your faith will be tested in ways that our older generation faith has never been tested. I grew up in a generation where if people, even if they didn't believe the Bible was true, they never would have proclaimed that. Even if they didn't go to church, they sent their kids to Sunday school. All of that's changed. Most of that is gone. And you're facing a generation in your classroom, in your university, where you have teachers and lecturers who will go out of their way to deliberately pick on you as a Christian, to marginalize you, to make fun of you. These are the days that we're living in. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 5, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. See, we're different, aren't we? From the very moment you get saved, that you put your trust in Christ, you went from darkness to light. You went from death to life. You went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You went from being under the dominion of sin to living in righteousness. What is spiritual light? What is spiritual darkness? Spiritual light is knowledge of God. Spiritual darkness is ignorance of God. This generation is the most ignorant generation of spiritual things in decades. And there's reasons for that, which I haven't time to go into tonight. It's a whole thing on its own. But trust me, it is. So many kids growing up today doesn't know one single Bible story. Did you ever notice in quiz shows, or it's University Challenge or any quiz shows, as soon as they asked a Bible question, you might as well be from Mars. Haven't got a clue. Spiritually ignorant, living in total darkness. What a spiritual light. A spiritual sight. It's been able to see from God's perspective. Spiritual darkness is spiritual blindness. The God of this world, the Bible says, has blinded the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the gospel should shine upon them. The God of this world, you know who we're talking about? Satan, of course. And he blinds minds. It's his business to keep people in the dark regarding spiritual, eternal things. What is spiritual light? is the wisdom of God. What is spiritual darkness? It is the wisdom of this world. The Bible calls the wisdom of this world its foolishness with God. No matter how seemingly wise this world is in its ways, it's foolishness with God. So you and I 
better get a worldview through God's eyes. Because if all we ever think about or lean on or trust in or talk about or decide on is this world's wisdom, we're lost. We're beat. It's foolishness with God. It won't cut it. It won't make it. But if we've got the light of God, and if we can see from God's perspective, if we can see this world the way God sees it, we look through different eyes. What is spiritual light? It's life. What is spiritual death? Spiritual darkness is death. It's as stark and as different as that. What is spiritual light? It's righteousness and holiness. What is spiritual darkness? Worldliness and carnality. Big difference. What is spiritual light? It's submission. What is spiritual darkness? It's rebellion. Are we submitting to God? Are we submitting to God's word? Are we submitting to God's ways? Are we in rebellion against it? If we're in the light, we'll submit. If we're in the darkness, we'll rebel. I rebelled for years. For years. I wasted years of my life that I could have been serving the Lord because I rebelled. Not in a, a real nasty, ugly way, but just in a way that I don't want that. I don't need that. I've got my life to live, and I'm going to live it my way. I went for years like that. All through my teenage years was like that. What foolishness. What stupidity. When I look back on it, I could cry to think of the years that I missed because of my rebellion and my foolishness. And then when I finally submitted, what a difference it made. And by the way, spiritual light is... Loving the brethren. Spiritual darkness is hating your brother. The Bible says if we hate our brother, we are still in darkness. God thinks very ill of whenever we hate our brother. Now, spiritual light and spiritual life are very closely related. John 1 and 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. We cannot have light and we cannot have life unless we have Christ. He's the center of all. John 8 and 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. The best life you possibly have in this life is the Christian life, a life full of Christ. That's the best life. That's the light life. That you'll see better, you'll know better, you'll understand better. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world Sorry, your light in the Lord walk as children of light. He didn't even say you were once in darkness. He goes further. He says you were once darkness. We were so full of darkness, we were darkness. We had no light at all whatsoever, spiritually speaking. But he says, now, now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let me just read you a couple of verses relating to this. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Is it not a fact that the moment you get saved, it's as if a light went on in your head. Suddenly it, it began to make sense. All the things that you heard about and people talked to you about and stories they told you and scriptures they quoted and tracts they gave you, it wasn't making much sense to you. Suddenly when you come to Christ, it's like a light goes on and you can see it. Now you don't know everything at that point, but you can see the most crucial, important thing that you know that you're born again of the Spirit of God. Colossians 1, 12 and 13, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has confided us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I think that's just a beautiful sentence. And has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Turn with me please to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, Matthew 5 uh, 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Not that just Christ is the light of the world, but in Christ you also are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Why do you need to be the light of the world? You see, this world functions by the knowledge of its senses. by what it can see, by what it can hear, by what it can touch, by what it can taste, by what it can smell. All of those natural senses that God has put within us as human beings, everything is filtered through that. From the moment you were born, all the way through your education, everything was filtered through those five sensory perception abilities that God gave to you. And that is what we need to function in the natural world. But it's not enough just to function in the natural world. There's more to life than this natural physical world. There is an eternal world. There is an eternity. There's something beyond this life. 
that God wants to put into your spirit while you're in this world. And you need something else to function this way. Because those ordinary senses won't do it spiritually. All of your education, all that you've been taught, all you've been learned, everything you've known has come through, filtered through all of those natural senses. But when you come into the kingdom of God, you're living an entirely different life because you're living a spiritual life, not just a natural life. So therefore, you need something else. Something else. We've got to learn another way. Because this world can't teach us because it doesn't know it. It's in darkness. This is why the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He's never going to know them through his natural senses. Can't be done. Needs another way. United it another way. And this is where the Spirit of God comes in. This is the supernatural bit. This is the heavenly, godly bit. Did you ever consider the Eve in the Garden of Eden? She listened to the words of Satan. Has God said? She listened. Then the Bible says she saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eye. And it was good. And then she took, and she must have smelled, and she ate it. All of those sensory perception abilities all come into play. But if we're ever going to know the fruit of the Spirit, if we're ever going to know the things of God, we've got to learn it another way. That in itself will not be enough. All we can see and we can hear and we can touch and we can feel and we taste and we smell, that's fine to a point, but that in itself will not be enough. I mean, there's people who read this Bible and they've read it for years and all they've done is read it to pull it apart to pieces to try to find loopholes and try to find things wrong with it. They've read it maybe in geography, they've read it as history, but they don't see it as a spiritual book. That has to come another way. But you see, man are still not satisfied. They're still not fulfilled. They're still not feeling complete. They're searching. They're longing. They're looking for something more, something deeper, something better, something more lasting. Because everything is fleeting. The greatest pleasure lasts but for a moment and it's gone. So they're looking for more. And that's why drugs never satisfies anybody because they need a higher fix the next time. Because the last one's done. It won't work the next time. You need a better one and a bigger one and a greater one until it destroys, doesn't it? And what they're really searching for, though they don't know it, is the spiritual realm. Now, there's some people who think they've found it, and they think they've found it in all kinds of cults and all kinds of false religions and Kabbalah, especially the film stars, they're into Kabbalah and Scientology and all the rest of it and Buddhism and all that stuff. And they think they've found it, but they haven't. And they're never going to find it there. This is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 about us that we walk by faith 
not by sight. The believer in Christ is another dimension. It's life in the Spirit. Romans 8 and 2, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Bible always makes it very stark. No gray area is very clear and stark. There's light, there's darkness, there's death, there's life, there's righteousness, there's sinfulness, straight down the middle. So what is the result of shining your light before man? Well, light brings life, doesn't it? We've already seen that in John 1 and 4. That Christ, who is the light, brings life to man. And the greatest thing that you and I can do as believers is bring Christ to people. Listen, I... I I like apologetics. I, I like even preaching apologetics. I like all of that. Apologetics does not mean you're apologizing for something. You're standing for something. And I like that. I love that. But somewhere in among all of that even, you've got to talk about Jesus. You've got to talk about Christ. Because he's the only one that's going to make the difference. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that's going to really bring the light. So we've got to do that. Light exposes, doesn't it? You know, our wee country, God bless it, is probably the most Christian country in all of Europe with all of its faults and all of its feelings and all of the slipping and drifting that's happening right now. But there's no question there's more churches, there's more born-again believers, there's more Christian teachers in school. There's more stuff going on in your schools here than there is anywhere in the mainland. We have a rich heritage of Christianity in this country. And thank God for it. Now, in spite of that, we had 30 years of devastation and murder and mayhem. Can you imagine what it might have been like if I hadn't had Christ? Well, I had Christianity. Now, people say, but sure, religion is, 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 is all the wars start over religion. A lot of nonsense. A lot of nonsense. What about communism? Hmm? Who wiped out millions? Communists. Not Christians. But light exposes the darkness. Thank God. Thank God that in this weak country, there's still some sense of morality. Thank God for that. And long may it continue. By the way, if you ever wonder who to vote for, and you wonder what way they're voting when they get to Westminster. And you're wondering, you know, whenever they're in the lobbies and you never hear about it, you know, you see a show of hands and they say 200 and so MPs voted today. And you know, well, what did they vote for and how did they vote? If you go to the Christian Institute website, they list every single MP in the nation on how every single MP votes at every single vote. So you can read it. And then you'll find out what they're voting for. In secret. And then you can judge by that. One politician, well-known politician in this country, he told me one time he left a particular party and joined another party. And I asked him, I says, why did you do that? Simply says, they were godless. He says, they were godless. 
He says, it wasn't the party that I joined. It came godless. That's sad, isn't it? So, you and I are to be light in the world. We need to expose. Light brings life. Light exposes. Light transforms. It transforms. You go to your bed at night, it's dark, isn't it? And this time of the year, what time is it? I don't know, six o'clock in the morning or half five, light begins to break. The birds begin to sing. There's two wood pigeons comes into my garden every morning, and my wife is ready. If she get a shotgun, she'd blow their brains out. Because I feed the birds. She says, David, see if you go away to Ukraine. She says, you see that bird feeder? I'm going to throw it over the hedge. She says, those pigeons wake me up every morning. They're cuckooing. I says, darn, they're God's creatures. Just leave them alone. If you shoot them, I'll eat them. (laughs) How did I get onto that? Right, life transforms. So, in the morning, light comes, and we wake up, and it's bright, and it's clear, and it's lovely. There's such a transformation when you get the first rise of the sun in the morning, isn't it? It's lovely. Right. Some of you maybe see the first rise about 11 o'clock in the morning, especially you students. I know what you're like, you students, eh? When, you, when, when you're supposed to be working really, really hard, and exams is coming up. I, I, I read your Facebook. I know what you're like, David Chain there, and all the rest of it. And you're panicking under pressure at the last minute, you see? That's me off his Facebook. Now I'm doing So you be, You lie to lunchtime, and then you fiddle and fitter about to three, and you look at your wife, oh, boy, I better get this done, and then, oh, wait a minute, hold on, I'll get my tea first, and then it's 11 o'clock that night, and you're panicking. Am I right? Isn't that right? Come on, own up, the lot of you's. Now, don't all look at David now. Come on, do you? <laughs> Just because I mentioned his name, the whole lot of you are the same, aren't you? <laughs> the Apostle Paul in Acts 26. Next 26, Paul here is recounting his testimony that Damascus wrote experience. Verse 12, while thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. And at midday, O king, along the road, I saw light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who had journeyed with me. When we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, note this, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. 
when you lead a person to Christ, or even if you haven't actually led them to Christ, but you've led them apart along the way, and maybe there's a moment in the conversation, and you can see it in their eyes, when what you have said, the Holy Spirit has taken it, and he's put it like a narrow in their heart, and suddenly they get it. They don't get all of it, but they get it. What you have been trying to say that they couldn't understand ever before, and they maybe heard it before, but at that moment the Holy Spirit has used you and used perhaps the word that you have spoken or even a scripture you have spoken. And at that moment, the penny dropped or the light came on and they got it. See, that's the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. That's bringing light into some darkness. That's what we mean. And every single one of us in this room has got that ability because it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit through us. It's the light of God in us working through us. And it could happen in an instant. And it's exciting when it happens because you can see it. And you know at that moment they're really, really listening. And they're begin the light's beginning to dawn. Now maybe later on, that's when we may come to Christ. But you were the one perhaps that initiated that moment. The Holy Spirit used your words and your actions to do that. In Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 17, Paul praying for the church at Ephesus, and he's praying for us this prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Read this book often. And when you read it, ask the Holy Spirit, who's the author of it, to enlighten you of it. You know, if you read any book and you met the author and you get an hour with the author for coffee or lunch and you went to discuss that book, I guarantee you, as much as you thought you knew about it, once you talked to the author, he would say, now here's what I was getting at there. This is the reason why I wrote those words. This is what the story was at that point. This is why I wrote that. And suddenly you'll read that book with different eyes because the author has explained it to you. Well, the author is the Holy Spirit. And when you read his book, he will explain it to you. He will begin to enlighten you and show you things that you never understood before. Now we have lots of helps, we have lots of guides, we have lots of devotionals, we have theology books, we have all of that. We go to Bible school. That's wonderful, that's great, that's good. But none of that would work except through the Holy Spirit. And you may be in your own home and maybe you'd never get to Bible school and maybe you'll never be a theologian and maybe you'll never get talking to a theologian, but just in your own home with your own devotions, your own prayer time, your own Bible reading time, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, ask Him. He's the third person, divine trinity. You can ask Him. Holy Spirit, teach me this Word of God. You know, many, many years ago, when I was a young boy growing up in my home, lots of preachers came 
there was meetings, there was house meetings, all continually in my house, almost every night of the week. I, I, I grew up with that. But I remember one wee man. He was a, a merchant seaman for years and years and years. And he couldn't read. He literally, he couldn't read. He had never learned how to read. He didn't know how to read. When he looked at page, it just was blank. He just couldn't understand. He couldn't read. When he got saved, he said, I asked the Lord to help me to understand this book. And he says, the Lord opened my eyes. Just, just like that. Never could read before. And suddenly, I could read as if I'd read all my life. It was a miracle. He was desperate. And boy, he could tell you, he could preach too. He was desperate to read and to know the Word of God. My, my niece, his husband's brother, let me get this right. Uh, he has, uh, well, okay, he's mentally handicapped. Maybe that's not the right way to put it these days, but you know what I mean when I say that. And uh, he loves the Lord. And he can't read, and he can't write. But when he goes to bed at night, this is true. When he goes to bed at night, he, he could quote you scripture all day long from memory. He goes to bed at night. He says many, many times when he sleeps, it's like a TV projector. It's like a film screen just goes before his eyes. And he can see scriptures. And he can read them. And he memorizes them. But if he reads him a Bible, he couldn't read it. But that's God. That's America. Supernatural, isn't it? And he can do and he can just quote you scripture after scripture after scripture. But you see, most of us can't read and write. Most of us got access to lots of tools to help us understand the Word of God. And really, we're without excuse, aren't we, really? We have more, probably more Christian bookshops in this week country per head of population than anywhere else in Europe. So we are totally without any excuse whatsoever. We've all got Bibles. And so our understanding, we should be more enlightened. Now, I need to move on quickly here. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me just ask you, while you're turning to that, just out of curiosity, many different translations have we got here in the congregation tonight. All right, King James, New King James, NIV, all right, uh, what else is there? Amplified, NLT, Tyndale Version, Message, ooh, Message. <laughs> I've read from the Message many times in here. In fact, I'm going to borrow your message read from it just right now. Uh, anybody got the living, New Living Translation? Is that it? Oh, NLT, New Living Translation. All right. So that's a, that's a fair smattering, isn't it? All right. So obviously when I read, it's going to be different than, than what you read. But I'll tell you what, David, lend me your message, okay? Because that's, that's... 
Now, how am I going to find that now? He's, he's closed it on me. <laughs> so, where are we? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, aren't we? Okay. Right, well, I'll I just read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from the message. The message isn't a translation, it's a paraphrase. And it's quite good, but it still is only a paraphrase. It's still just one man's version in modern day writing. Whereas the translations, a lot of people get together uh, to make it. But anyway, just for the sake of tonight, I'll read this. You'll remember, friends, that when I came to you to let you in on God's masterstroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. God's Spirit and God's power did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom, the fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will come be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest, what God determined as the way to bring out his best in us. Long before we ever arrived in the scene, the experts of our day haven't a clue what this eternal plan is. And if they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it. But God has arranged for those who love him. What God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God by his spirit has brought it all out into the open before you. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God had planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself, the same with God, except that he knows not only what he's thinking, but what he lets us, but he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he's giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God, who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same first-hand personal way. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive of God's Spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can be known only by Spirit. God's Spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by spiritual, unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question is there anyone around who knows God's Spirit? Anyone who knows what, he's, what he is doing has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's Spirit. Amen. Thank you. That's a good can. That's good. And so there you are. You see that the Holy Spirit is the one 
who enlightens us and who opens our eyes to the truth. And if your eye are ever going to point someone to Christ, it's only going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit while we're talking, opening their blind eyes and letting them see. You know, it's the greatest miracle, much more than physical blind eyes opening, is spiritually blind eyes opening. And they can see when suddenly the Spirit of God takes that word and that testimony and that scripture and plants it deep in their spirit. And it begins to grow. And then they begin to get hungry to know more. And they get more curious. And before you know it, they're coming to church. And they'll slip out on a Sunday night. Or maybe even a Sunday morning. And they'll listen. And more of the Word of God gets in. We're going to close in a moment. In Proverbs 4, 18 19, it says, But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is darkness, and they do not know what makes them stumble. Light has always, ever been a symbol of all that is heavenly and godly and good and righteous and soundness and gladness. Darkness has always been emblematic of all that is unrighteous and sinful and devilish and carnal. And it says the just. The just are those who have received the light. The just are those who are the light. The just are those who spread the light. Amen. You're the just. That's what the Bible calls you. Why? Because you've been justified in Christ. Just as if you'd never sinned. And you're just before a holy God. And you could not ever have done that by yourself because your sins separated you from God. But Jesus Christ came, and he paid the price of our sins, and he bridged that gap, so that now he says, Father, because they believed in me, they are now justified in your sight. The gospel is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Isn't it great news to know that you never could have earned it, you didn't deserve it, nothing you could have done would have merited it, and yet Christ in his mercy came, and he freely gave it to you, and he gave you his light. It says the pathway, the path of the just. And God has given us a path, a way, a road of light. What is it? The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. We're almost finished. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a light unto my feet and it is a lamp unto my path. You know, in those days, because there's no street lights, if they went from house to house or down the road a little bit, they'd carry a lamp and they'd carry it around at their feet so they could see where they're walking. And we're walking through a world of darkness, gross darkness, perverse and crooked darkness. We need the light at our feet to guide us where we go. And this word is the light. This is what it's saying. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of your word gives light and it brings understanding to the simple. Now, that doesn't mean the stupid. The simple. You know, as Christians, we're simple people because we simply believe. Except you become as a little child. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. There's a simplicity. And we 
receive it with simplicity. As a child receives a gift from its father, we reach out and receive the gift of salvation from God in a simple way. And then we read the Word of God in our simplicity. And He teaches us. And He leads us and He guides us. I love the progression of it. It says it's like the shining sun that shines ever brighter. Ever brighter. The King James says it shineth more and more. From light to light to glory to glory, from faith to faith to grace to grace, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. I tell you what, I've been saved umpteen years. I have much more light now than I had at the beginning. I didn't know very much at the beginning. I knew I was saved. That was about it. Thank God. I learned a lot of stuff growing up in Christian homes. But when I got saved, I knew I was saved. And from that moment on, I was determined every single day of my life, as much as God would give me grace, I would try to learn more and more and more and more of this book because this is the light that I used to walk in, that I walk in. I remember, I've told you before, when I got saved, I was working in a factory. And at the end of the shift when you clocked out, uh, you know, you maybe finished 15 minutes before and you washed your hands and you fiddled about for the last 15 minutes. And you're allowed to do that, to get cleaned up. And then you clocked out at 3 o'clock, so it was a 7 or 3 shift. Well, after I washed my hands, I would go into a cubicle and I'd take my New Testament out and I'd start reading it. And I got so engrossed. 3 o'clock passed. 3.15 passed. 3.30. And then I suddenly realized. And it was no joke because I was getting a lift. And the guys that was giving me a lift were waiting for me down at the front gate, thinking maybe the boss pulled me in to talk to me. And I had to make all kinds of, not lies, but kind of waffled my way around what I was doing, you know, but I was sitting reading the Bible. That's what I was doing. But you see, because I was hungry for the Word of God, never thinking I was going to preach, never thinking I was going to pastor, just an ordinary believer, simple believer, hungry for the Word of God. And it consumed me. Let it consume your life. Let the light of God come into your heart and then you'll be able to give it out. You'll be able to spread it abroad. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that does bring life and light to us. We thank you for its entrance into our hearts. Lord, it totally changes us. It helps us to see through your eyes. Now, Lord, I encourage the church tonight to dig in to get to know to become hungry for the word of God Lord let us eat it as much as we eat our food let us eat the bread of life that will sustain us and build us up in our most holy faith so I thank you Lord for this Lord bless us all as we go into this working week and let us be signposts to the Savior Lord, let us be those that will point the way, not just by our words, but by our lifestyle. Let others look at us and say, there's a true Christian. There's a real believer. Lord, that would be our prayer tonight, that we may be light in the dark places. We may be the only one in our class, maybe the only one in their office, maybe the only one in our family, maybe the only one among all of the acquaintances we have. But Lord, let us be salt and light wherever we are for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.